I've been saved since I was 12 years old. That doesn't mean I've always walked close with the Lord. And I, and I regret looking back over my life that there were times when I didn't. But God called me to, to preach several years ago, and I've been a pastor in a church for about nine years, uh, even though my grandmother and, and a neighbor lady that I grew up near uh, told me for years that I was going to be a pastor someday, but I just did not believe that. But their uh, prophecy was, eventually came true, even though I resisted for a long time. But I'm happy to be here. Uh, my wife taught music in public schools for many, many years, and she's an excellent pianist, and uh, I definitely married up in life, and I'm thankful for her every day uh, of, of my life. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 146 this morning, and uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you uh, for who you are. Father, you are truly worthy to be praised. I thank you for the song service this morning, Father, and how that uh, lifted uh, our hearts up to you. And, and as we praised you through that, Father, I just pray that our hearts were made right to, to hear your, your words spoken this morning. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would give me the words to say, and I wouldn't misuse your Scripture in any way. And Father, I just ask that you'd bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalm 146, now, I have to admit, even though I've, I've preached many, many sermons, I don't know that I've spent as much time on any one psalm in my entire life as I did on this one. It has, it's a rich, it's a rich psalm. And as we go through this month of November and we are having a month of thanksgiving, concentrating on giving thanks to the one worthy of our trust and worthy of our praise, and we're looking through Psalms to do that. It's just uh, God's Word is, is so, so rich uh, that we need to study it. We need to meditate upon it more and more. And I'm talking to myself uh, when I say that. The psalmist uh, starts off there in verse 1. We'll read verse 1 and 2, 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Now that first praise the Lord there in, that, in the first part of that verse 1, uh, praise the Lord, that's, that's a, in a plural sense and in an imperative sense. In other words, it's a command to a group of people. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we've translated that to hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were so reverent about mis- and concerned about misusing the name of the Lord that they often abbreviated Yahweh to Yah or used initials to signify the name of the Lord. We need to be more cautious as Christians how we use the name of the Lord. There is no greater power than the name of Jesus. And to misuse that, no wonder God has pulled back from us is that we have misused His Word so much, His name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now this time it's a singular uh, tense, but still an imperative. It's still a command that we're to praise the Lord. But the writer of the psalm here is, is saying, I need to praise the Lord, O my soul, to the depth of my very being. I need to praise the Lord. And then verse 2, he makes a personal resolution. I will. 
I will means to be conspicuous. I will be conspicuous about my praise to the Lord. And I will sing praises to my God. And I will sing so other people hear me. I will be conspicuous about my praise. I grew up in a Baptist church. And, and, and I've heard Justin say this, and, and our experiences have been very similar through our life. But when I was a little kid in a Southern Baptist church, there was a lot of amens and there was raising hands and there was shouting going on and, and it was kind of Pentecostal at times. And we've gotten away from that. We've gotten to be pretty quiet and uh, we need to praise the Lord and we need to praise Him so other people see us praise the Lord. And we need to sing so other people will hear. And we need to do it all of our life. Every day that we're growing, growing, growing a breath. That word for soul in Hebrew actually means breath or life. It's the, it's the element that sustains our life. It's that soul. It's our inner being. And we need to make a conscious, intentional effort to praise the Lord our entire life. And that requires a consecrated God focus. Focusing on God. Taking that focus off ourselves. We have to make a conscious, God-conscious, God-focus to praise Him through times of trial and also in times of when we're not going through a trial, when everything is, is going so good. When I was a kid, I grew up on a farm and I'd be outside and I'd have those moments of just feeling everything's right with the world. Just those feelings of euphoria. Just, man, I just feel good about everything. The older I get, I don't have those moments of euphoria anymore. My focus has gotten divided on lots of different things and thinking about different things. And, and, and when I was a kid, I didn't have so many things to focus on. But now we need to get our focus back on God in times of trial and times of blessing. We need to be like Paul. Remember Paul there in Romans? Paul was in prison. Paul was not having a good time. That prison back in that day was not a happy place. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We ought to have that kind of God focus in times of trial and in times of blessing. And if the psalmist himself, when he was filled with the Spirit, writing these words down because God had inspired him to write these words, if during that time of, of that filling of the Holy Spirit that he had to preach to himself, to sing praises to God all of his life, then we certainly ought to do that as well. We need to tell ourselves, wake up every morning, I need to praise the Lord. I, I was talking to Dick, I think his name is, and he said, man, I, just every day, when I see the grass from the top side, I just praise the Lord. And we need to do that. We just need to praise the Lord for everything he's given us. And, and I want to give that as a word of advice to, to pastors, teachers, and worship leaders. And sometimes we can get so busy and so concentrated, so focused on helping other people worship in song and, and in sermons that we sometimes forget to worship ourselves before the Lord. Just, just to come before the Lord and just worship Him and uh, again, just have a personal time of, of worship and praise with the Lord. And singing, singing such a valuable witness you know, songs stick in our head and they roll around in our head and uh, 
you'll hear a commercial on television. They use, they use music a lot in commercials because they know it's going to stick in your head and that thing's going to roll around your head uh, and you'll remember uh, that product. But singing is powerful. Uh, Psalm 40, uh, verse 3 says that uh, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many who see will fear and put their trust in the Lord. A new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our Lord, and many will come to know the Lord because of that. Now, I think what he's saying there is a new song is a song that's never been sung. And each one of us, I believe, has been given a song. And I think that song is our testimony. That song is a story, is our story of our salvation, of how we came to know the Lord, is our, or Christ is our Lord and Savior. A personal challenge to you is, and to me, is that we need to sing our song to others. We need to tell our story to others so that they might come to a knowledge of, of salvation. I, I've told people in the past, and, and I, I continue to do that, is sometimes we're hesitant to share the gospel with someone because a lot of times we're afraid they'll ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. And I'm, I, I know from experience that people that you're trying to share the gospel that are unsaved would like nothing better than to drag us off into the weeds asking us a question that we might, you know, did Adam have a belly button? You know, it's things like that that people will ask you that we don't have an answer to that. You say, well, I don't know the answer to that, but let me tell you my story. Because I have a new song. I have a story that only I know. It's a story that God gave me at the time of salvation. It's my testimony, my story. And that's what we can share with others is my story. And we should know our story. We should have a testimony. If we don't, then we really need to examine ourselves. We need to examine, did I have a true born-again experience? And in verse 3, he says, Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. You know, the Hebrew word there is bata, to mean to feel secure, to feel confident in. You know, we are called to obey authorities over us. We're called to obey them. But he's telling us, don't put your trust in them. Don't depend on other people for your eternal security. There's a lot of difference of there's a couple difference of opinion on who wrote this psalm, and in fact, Psalm 146 through 150. I think it was David. I, I don't know that for sure, but obviously, it was someone who had experienced being letting, let down by another person or being betrayed by another person, because they they're speaking from experience that don't put your trust in man, because God's plans are much greater. You know, if it were David. David was a king. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. He was certainly blessed, but he had people in his life that he couldn't trust. Saul, the king before him, that took him in to play music into the palace, into his, into his temple, and had a closeness with David. And then later Saul tried to kill him. David's own son, Absalom, tried to kill David. So there were people that let him down, people that he couldn't trust. 
The other, the other thought that it might have been written by Haggai and Zechariah, they were prophets at that time during, during, uh, the, after the Babylonian exile when King Cyrus had issued a decree and gave permission for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city walls. The Jews that did that were depending on that king and, 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 and the, the Persian Empire there to, for provisions and for protection. But later on, King Artaxerxes rescinded that and stopped the construction. So they had devoted their lives to rebuilding Jerusalem and then a man took that protection away. But we tend to trust those people who help us. You know, a, a politician or somebody might, might help us. And we tend to praise those people. We tell people of, about them because they did something for us, because at that point in time we can trust them. But we can't depend on them always. There's, a, there's an end to their trust, and, and we can't depend on them, and they're not certainly worthy of our praise. I heard a story, I read a story a while back about uh, a man came to the, his pastor and he said, Pastor, God's calling me to tithe, but I just don't feel like I can afford to do that. But he's calling me to do it, but I don't think at the end of the month I'm going to have money left over to buy food for my family and things that we need. The pastor said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you tithe, like God's calling you to do, and you're short at the end of the month, I'll make up the difference. The guy said, wow, I can't lose. He said, I'll do that. And the pastor goes, now wait a second. You, you're, you told me you were called by God to tithe. And you put your trust in me, and you know I don't have anything. Why not put your trust in God to make up the shortfall? And we can't always, even when God's calling us, we can't, we can't trust men. Trust is a valuable thing. It's hard to gain trust, but it's easily lost. And it's even harder to regain again after it's been lost. Don't put your trust in men. Verse 4 says, when their spirit departs, still talking about these men you might be... Uh, tempted to put your trust in. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. I don't know how many times we've made plans and they, they come to nothing. I worked for the conservation department for 30 years, and we used to have to write these five-year plans, which sounds like a good thing, but we used to have to write them every two years. They'd say, well, where'd the last plan go? The plans of men are not eternal. My dad died when he was 62 because of a blood clot, but he died in the 1st of November, 1986, and our daughter was born in February of 1987. And, and during the pregnancy, I thought, and we lived about eight hours away, and I, I thought, I'm going to ask Dad what, what, what to do you know, when things come up with our daughter because we didn't, you know, we were like all parents, we didn't know what we were doing, what we were getting into. But I knew I could always fall back on him because I could always trust his opinion. And he would always freely share that with me. But I knew he was always looking after my welfare. But then when he passed away before our daughter was born, he was no longer there to ask for advice 
uh, for guidance. And I wanted to ask him all these things. So even if we have a person we can trust and we put our confidence in, as the psalmist is saying, they're not always going to be around. Regardless of how we plan to, to utilize them, they're not always going to be here. Verse 5 says, Blessed is he whose hope is in, who is, the hope is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now the Hebrew word there said, and blessed, it means a heightened state of happiness or joyfulness. And it's often translated, depending on which translation of the Bible you're using, either happy or blessed, generally. I think we've misused the word happiness so much, we don't even know what that means anymore. And it's just a feeling. It's not, it's not real. It's usually very temporary. But to be blessed, to be blessed by God is an eternal thing. And I think using the word joyful or blessed gives us a better understanding or being filled with joy, being filled with a, with a blessing. If you want to be full of joy, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of circumstances, put your trust in God, the one who is worthy of our praise, the worthy of our trust, and put our hope in Him. Nehemiah tells us very clearly, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do we want to be strong? Do we want to be full of joy? The joy of the Lord is in our the joy of the Lord is our strength. We've got to put our depend on the Lord for our joy, and He is the object of our praise. And he says, Blessed is he whose hope is in the God of Jacob. The writer of this psalm telling us that he's the same God. He's the same God in the time of, of Jacob. He's the same God today, now, today, and forever. Uh, he's the same God that uh, had the covenant with Abraham. He's the same God that renewed that covenant with Jacob. And Jacob was a conniving scoundrel. We know that he stole the birthright. He stole the inheritance from his brother Esau. And later, Jacob was so afraid of his brother Esau that he sent his family over to meet with his brother because Jacob was afraid to go. And he stayed back, and that's when he wrestled with God. That's when God renamed him Israel. God used Jacob in a powerful way, even though Jacob resisted and Jacob didn't always put his trust in him. If God can help Jacob, and if God can use Jacob to be the namesake of his chosen people and, uh, and the patriarch of, of the Israelites, he can certainly use us. In verse 6 he says, The maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. Not only uh, is God the God of Jacob, but He's the Creator God. He created all that we see in this beautiful creation, this beautiful universe that we can experience. He created all this. And I've told people, you know, if you're, if you're starting to, if you're a new Christian and you're starting to learn about, the, you're starting to study the Bible Go to Genesis 1.1. If, if we can't have full confidence that God is the Creator, then the rest of the Bible doesn't make as much sense. Or very little sense. Because God is all-powerful. God created all this. He has the power to do anything He wants to 
with His creation. He has the power to do that because He is the creator of all things. He is all-powerful. You know, it's really weird is that everybody has one of these in their pocket or the purse. We know someone created this. And this little thing right here is smarter than I am. It can do a lot of things way beyond my imagination almost. What it can do, and we have no doubt there's a creator. But when it breaks, Debbie had to get a new battery put in her phone. When it breaks, it doesn't heal herself. Debbie's got a boot on. She broke a bone in her foot. It's healing on its own. It's growing back together. We can't, man cannot build something that heals itself. There's got to be a creator. And we know that God is that creator. It says His creative power, as great as it is, His faithfulness is linked to that. You know, there in the, in, the, in the last part of that verse, he's talking about the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the entire universe, the Lord who remains faithful forever. As great as his creation is, his faithfulness is, is great. The New Living Translation says that he keeps every promise forever. He keeps truth forever. Forever. We don't have a concept of forever. It's beyond our comprehension. Eternity. How long is eternity? It's forever. It's hard for us to grasp that that concept. And we can depend on Him forever. Unlike the princes that the psalmist is talking about in verses 3 and 4 that are only here for a season, for a short time, and their plans come to nothing, His plan is never wrong. His plan has never failed. He is everlasting. He is faithful forever. So blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who puts their hope in someone who's worthy of our trust forever because He is all-powerful. Verses 7 and 8 says, He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord set prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. The oppressed person is someone who, who has been afflicted by circumstances or who has to depend on others for, for their life's necessities. They're, they're oppressed. It says He upholds the cause. He gives justice to the people who, who are oppressed. And He feeds the hungry. In our study in Leviticus here a while back, we we studied the Mosaic Law. There are provisions in the Mosaic Law where the church, where people abiding by the law, were given requirement to leave unharvested grain in the edges of the field so the poor could come in and harvest that uh, for their very survival. And it tells about a relative redeeming a piece of property if they lost it uh, because of they couldn't pay their, their debts or whatever. A relative could come in and redeem that. There were laws in place to take care of the poor and the needy. I think the church, have, we've dropped the ball a little bit on our, uh, not more than a little bit, we've dropped the ball on taking care of, of needy people in our, in our world around us. We've dropped the ball on taking care of widows and orphans. 
we need to be more creative about how we meet needs of, of needy people. It says he will seek or he will free the prisoners. A prisoner is someone who is bound to something, obligated to something, or tied to something. I think sometimes we're all prisoners to something. And I think we need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I a prisoner to something? Am I bound to something? Am I tied to something that I can't get loose in my own power? I can't shed those bonds. I can't untie that thing I'm tied to. I'm a prisoner. We need to ask ourselves, what is holding us in bondage? And there's only one who truly can release us from those, and that's God the Father, who is all-powerful, uh, can do that. And we need to give thanks to, to our Lord because He is faithful to all of us and all of the people who are in need. He is faithful to all people. The last part of verse 8 says, the, the, the writer says, the Lord loves the righteous. Now that seems almost out of place when he's been talking about the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, all this, and he, then he says, I love the righteous. I think there's a couple of reasons why he included that in there. First of all, sometimes we as saints, the righteous ones, sometimes we are oppressed. Sometimes we are in bondage to something else. Sometimes we are hungry. You know, sometimes we just need His help. And He loves the righteous. But I think the other reason is He's also calling the righteous to action. Be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. Do something about it. Look for opportunities to help people that are downtrodden, who are in need and let's meet that need. Let's look for ways that we can do that. Look for ways to share an encouraging word to someone. Sometimes that really is uplifting to someone who is downtrodden, who is oppressed, who, who is in bondage to something. Say an encouraging word. Now, Hebrews 10.25, it talks about you know, we shouldn't give up meeting together as some in the ha- are in the habit of doing. We are called to meet as a church body. And in verse 24, it tells us why. It tells us that we are there to encourage people toward love and good deeds. I've heard people say, well, I just don't go to church anymore because I went a couple times and it just didn't do anything for me. Maybe it wasn't for you that day. Maybe you were there to say an encouraging word who might make an eternal difference in someone else's life. Maybe you're there just to share a kind word that might lead to someone toward love and good deeds. So let's look for opportunities. Be doers of the Word. Not just concerned about the poor. Not just concerned about other people. But look for ways to do something about it. Verse 9 says, The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. He watches over strangers in a strange land. Sometimes if you look at the news uh, in the morning, which I sometimes do, if I want to have a bad day, that's what I start my day with. Uh, I, I really appreciate Justin saying last week, you want to you know, start your day with a thanksgiving and, and read a psalm. And we've started doing that. We've done that every day this week. And it just 
man, it just makes you feel good. If you want to watch the news and take the edge off that good feeling, go ahead. But, but we feel like strangers in a, in a foreign land sometimes. I, I see the news and I think, well, what country are they talking about? That doesn't sound like the country I want to, that I grew up in and the country I want us to be. I'm reminded a couple of old songs. I'm a, a, a wayfaring stranger. I'm a poor wayfaring stranger in the, in the land of woe. And the other one that I, I mentioned earlier, I want them to sing at my funeral. That's, this world's not my home. A real old song. world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. But I don't feel at home in this world anymore. You know, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful song, and, and we don't always feel uh, like we're home because we are not home. We're just passing through. He says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. Now, I know some in this room probably grew up without a father. Some grew up with a father, maybe an abusive father. Maybe a father that wasn't always kind, wasn't always supportive. I realize that that does happen. I, I was really fortunate. Maybe I didn't appreciate it. In fact, I guarantee I didn't appreciate it so much at the time. But as I look back, I was really fortunate to have a Christian father because I could always trust him to, to watch my backside. And sometimes that wasn't a pleasant experience either. But I think once we've grown up in a home with a, an abusive, maybe an, a, an absent father, it's difficult to accept God as your heavenly Father and accept Him as an all-loving, all-faithful, all-trustworthy Father. Sometimes we need to work harder at that to accept uh, your heavenly Father as one who will always look after you. Paul in Romans 8 says, Who will separate us from the love of God? He doesn't say what, he says who. You know, then he goes on to say, you know, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Those are all problems caused by man. Who will cause those problems? If you haven't noticed, there's evil in the world. There's evil all around us. And we're called to be salt and light in this dark world, in this evil place. We are called to be salt and light. And there are wicked people in the world who take advantage of us, take advantage of people who are oppressed, hungry, uh, all of those things. There are people who cause us hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sore. But then Paul comes back and he tells us there in verse 37, but in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. There is no one who loves us anymore than our Father God in heaven, the creator of the whole universe, who sent his son to die for us, to take our place on the cross. It says he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Those who, those people that are who in that, that cause us problems, he will frustrate those plans. We win in the end. If you read the Bible, we win in the end. We may not be comfortable here at all times, but we win. Verse 10 says, The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. The Lord reigns forever, all generations, for all time. 
He will do all of these things that we've been talking about. He will do all of these things. He will watch after us, whether we're in famine, whether we're in nakedness, whether we're in hardship, whether we're in persecution, or whether we're oppressed, whether we're hungry, whether we're prisoners. He will watch after us for all time. He will do these things forever. He will free us from all those things that keep us prisoners. He will be your heavenly Father, and He will be faithful forever for all times. So what keeps us from praising the Lord and giving Him thanks for all He has done? What keeps us from doing that? You know, we can't, and one thing I said, we can't base our praise on a, a happy circumstance. We can't base our praise on our mood of the moment. We may not feel like praising the Lord at that point in time because we're going through a trial. Or we might be going Excuse me, going through a good time. I think sometimes it's harder to praise the Lord if your if your sin of choice is pride. We get to thinking we did this. I'm doing well because I did this. Rather than looking to God who provides all things, because He created all things and He is all powerful. He is the sovereign God over all things. We have many reasons to, to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And we need to tell others that, even, even when we're going through a bad time. I've seen people laying in a hospital bed praising the Lord. You think, goodness, do they have a reason to praise the Lord? Yes. Yes, they do, because He's, he's watching after them. But we shouldn't just praise the Lord just for what He does for us. He's not some vending machine in the sky that we put in a few good deeds and expect Him to pay us back tenfold. He is an almighty God and we ought to praise Him for who He is and for His power and for His, His sovereignty over all things. He is the almighty Creator God. We need to realize that. When I was in college, I was taking evolution and geology at the same time. And one time I just had to go to my evolution instructor, a guy named Bill Metter, and I said, Bill, I'm taking geology. And we're talking evolution. We're, thinking, we're, we're talking about evolution. We're talking about the, chan the, the mutation of one species into another. I said, but I'm studying geology and we're studying fossils and I don't see them. <clears throat> God created, we created all this. Be careful to believe the theory of evolution. You know, besides, besides praising Him here on earth and our time here, I want to read just a few scriptures out of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every cre creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. We're going to be praising God as, as believers. We're going to be praising God for all eternity. 
Let's get in practice while we're here. Let's praise the God of creation, the God of our fathers, the God of Jacob, the, the God who is faithful now and forever for and ever. Let's get into practice. I've got a few take-home points real quickly. Number one, whatever you focus on increases. If you focus on a problem, that problem is going to increase. If you focus on a need, that need increases. If you focus on your relationship with your spouse, that relationship increases. Whatever you focus on increases. If we focus on God and our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that relationship's going to increase. Be careful what we focus on. Take the focus off ourselves and focus on God. Be like Paul in that prison. Rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of our circumstances. Make a determined choice to praise the Lord in the midst of trials. You know, sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we're going through sickness. Sometimes we're going through a trial. I get that. We all deal with that. And I get it that it's difficult to praise the Lord when my knee hurts. To praise the Lord when, when something in our family isn't the way it should be. It's difficult, but we should praise the Lord. Look to Him who has the answer to everything, who has a plan that's much greater than our plan. We can't base our thanksgiving to the Lord on our mood of the moment. We don't always feel like that, do we? Praise the, the one who's always faithful. Praise the one who's always worthy of our trust. Look for more ways to be faithful to the unfortunate. Look for ways to do that. And express our thanks, our thanksgiving by giving. Giving to the church. Giving of ourselves to others. We're called to make disciples. That takes giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving up our knowledge, giving up our priorities to focus on others. Now this morning, I, you know, there, there, there are people sitting in this room, I'm sure, that have never made a decision. And every time you hear the Gospel, every time you hear Scripture, every time you hear Christ preach, you're faced with a decision. Am I going to accept that, believe that, make a conscious thought to accept that? Or am I just going to walk away? Maybe, maybe just walk away. I don't care. I'm, I'm apathetic about the whole thing. He's never done anything for me. You're faced with a decision this morning. You're faced with a decision. Do I want to be blessed? Do I want to be full of joy? Do I want to be filled with that peace that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and minds, as it says in Philippians? Or do I want to stay oppressed? Do I want to remain in those times of hunger, of blindness, of being a prisoner to something, being a bondage to something? But if you're here this morning, you say, I'm tired of that kind of life. I want to change the way I live. I don't want to live in bondage anymore. I don't want to live oppressed anymore. Put your trust in the one who can really change your life and give you that born-again experience. And I promise you, you may not always have a happy life, 
but you'll have one who walks with you, who is faithful to you all through that process, who will love you unconditionally, who sent His Son to take our place on the cross. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you forgot, like me, you kind of forgot. Praise the Lord every day of my life. With every breath, praise the Lord because He is faithful, because He is all-powerful. Maybe we've just forgotten and we just need to tell ourselves, I need to focus back on God. Take the focus off my problems. 